This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Well, happy, happy, happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the room. Everybody celebrate mom today. We're so, so glad that you decided to spend part of Mama's Day with us here at church. And if you were drugged here by Mama, still glad that you are here at church today. Don't forget to take a picture with Mama outside in uh, the breezeway by the coffee bar. Um, We love having you here today, and none of us would be here if it wasn't for you. So thank you, uh, Mamas. We're so glad you're here. Happy, happy Mother's Day. Um, Week number five of a series called Perfectly Designed. Everybody say that out loud with me. One, two, three. Perfectly designed. We're seeking God's design for our purpose in life, for our sexuality, for our marriages, for our homes, for our parenting. God's design. And all of that comes from a bedrock foundation simply called a biblical worldview. It is the lenses through which we see what we're encountering. If we do not have a biblical worldview, things start to get shaky and confusing uh, and misdirected. We'll get to that here more in a minute. But in a biblical worldview or a kingdom-centered worldview, it's a belief in the real thing. It's a belief in an authentic designer that has perfectly designed you and I. One of the truths that we've uh, founded this series on, and it's just simply a biblical truth, is that God is the only designer. Somebody say only. (laughs) He's the only designer. The only designer. And also God's ways are the best ways. Now God is the only designer, but God's ways are not the only ways. There are other ways. There are other ways to live life and they, they do not bring what you think they'll bring. God's ways are the best ways and God is the only designer But the culture and the spirit of the age, when we talked about it a few weeks ago, offers cheap knockoffs, offers substitutes. It's like the high fructose corn syrup for the soul. If you've ever had a real Dr. Pepper and the ones they sell now, how many of you would agree they're not the same? The Dublin Dr. Pepper is still the best Dr. Pepper. And if you're a Coca-Cola drinker, you'll get saved one day. High fructose corn syrup will spike you up. Culture will spike you up. Feels like the real thing for a minute. It'll trick you with the taste, but a hard crash comes afterward and all the parents of toddlers said, amen. They come home from Granny and Papa's house after all that high fructose corn syrup. You gotta cast all the demons out of them when they get home. Culture makes it feel good while ignoring the consequences. This series is about submitting our spirit soul, and body to the lordship of Jesus Christ, which is the actual only foundation of true Christianity. The only foundation of true Christianity is submission. But culture tells us there's a different way to be a Christian, which we've studied in this series, and we've found empirical evidence proving otherwise. Today, we're unpacking a key foundation of culture's gospel that I'm wondering if it slipped into your home, if it slipped into your mind, if it slipped into your thinking. And we wanna unpack this today and help you see it and help you understand it. And so to start off uh, by learning what culture's gospel is, let's all turn to the book of First Hesitations, chapter one, verse one, in the Cultural Lies Bible. It says, we live by feeling and not by truth. That's not a real Bible. I made it up. Stop stop trying to Amazon this Bible. It's not real. We live by feeling and not by truth. We live by feeling. We already talked about what truth is. In week number two, we talked about the Greek word aletheia. What it means is simply truth is truth. It's super simple. Culture tries to confuse and contradict, but it's very simple that truth is truth. And look what D. Bagwan says. He says, once a person knows the soul, There's nothing more to know. And if you're wondering, if you're thinking like, man, like I'm glad he brought that 
quote up to refute that fake Bible he just quoted. No, 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 this is actually demonic. If you were wondering, like if you thought this was a positive quote I brought to you, you have allowed something to slip into your thinking and your home and you might not even know it's there. Once a person knows the soul, there's nothing more to know. And they even call it a science because that's how you trick people, right? Is putting the word science in front of your lie. It's called the science of self-realization. They call it a science. Instead of saying it's self-righteousness and lies, you call it the science of self-realization. And now it's smart because we all need to follow science. The science of self-realization. And it's a culture trick. It's a culture trick to use certain words to make it feel real. D. Bagwan also says, realize yourself, transform your life. And I honestly agree with that quote, just not in the way he intended. Your life will transform once you realize yourself. But without Christ, it's not positive transformation. So in other words, feelings equal truth. Or your current emotional condition equals my truth. And this is what culture calls situational ethics. Meaning that truth is on a continuum like they say gender is. And it adapts as the situation changes. Our ethics are situational. And based on how you feel in the moment or what TikToker you follow, gender is situational. And based on what you're hearing and believing at the time, all of it is changeable. And science will help you get there. It's demonic. If truth can change, it isn't truth at all. That's called a lie by definition. So at first hesitations tells us we live by feeling and not by truth. What does the actual real Bible say in 2 Corinthians? We live by faith, not by sight. Everyone recite this with me. One, two, ready, read. We live by faith and not by sight. That word sight in the Greek literally means fashion or shape. So what Paul is telling the church at Corinth, which was super jacked up, the church at Corinth was whack. What he was telling these guys, he had to write them two letters. That's how bad they were. It is, the church at Corinth was so jacked up, he had to tell them, stop believing everything you see in here. It's like Paul had toddlers, teenagers in school. Stop believing everything you see in here. Stop fashioning and shaping your life based on what you see. Because we live by faith. We live by faith. Don't fashion your life based on what culture decides it should be in the moment. That's not Christianity. That's antichrist. If you're waiting on the antichrist to show up like a nicely dressed man in a suit, like in the Left Behind movies, that's not how it's gonna be. He's already here. And he's coming into your home through your children's screens that are unprotected in their bedroom. He is already eating dinner with you. He has already taken up residence in your finances. He has already stolen the souls of our children. He's already here. And I just wonder if you and I could get real for a minute and stop allowing this takeover of our generation to take place. So to better understand how culture is out of order, we have to understand what is God's created order. This is gonna get a little Bible college for a minute. Are you ready to go to college for a second? Because I think this is gonna really be helpful to your life. As human beings, we are created in the image of God, yes or no? Yes. Who exists as a triune God. Do we believe in the Trinity, yes or no? Yes. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We have all been created in the image of God with also three distinct but interconnected parts, the body, the soul, and the spirit. We have all been created with the spirit that must be redeemed, a soul that must be restored, and a body that must surrender. There is a difference between the spirit 
and the soul. And for most of us in this room, we didn't know that there was a difference, a biblical foundational difference between your spirit and your soul. When we say heart, what does that mean? Are we talking about the spirit? Are we talking about the soul? The body is pretty much like understandable. It is your physical, actual body. And, I, and this is really just a cut and paste out of our freedom curriculum. Our freedom curriculum is, is run through the small group calendar. It's in the summer, or sorry, in the spring and the fall. It's a 13-week course that ends with a conference. And it is a powerful thing. Some of you in this room just went to the conference last weekend. And it's 13 weeks of understanding how your body and your soul have been calling the shots and how do we get the spirit back in control and remove these things from our life, all this trauma, all this junk in which we've been living through and then restore ourselves with the baptism of the Holy Spirit with that conference at the end. It is a beautiful thing. And if you've never been to a freedom group, next fall is your invitation. Go to a freedom group. You gotta go, you gotta go. At the moment of salvation, our spirit is made alive in Christ. This is called justification. Justification. We are justified by faith. A way to remember that is that once we receive Jesus, it's just as if I've never sinned. Justification. God, at that moment, we are in right relationship with him, right standing with God. That's what the word righteousness means. Righteousness has never meant to be perfect. Not even by definition in Greek or Hebrew has ever meant perfect. It only means in right relationship. So we are now the righteousness of God in Christ because of justification by faith. That is the basis of Christianity. Not of works that no man should boast. So you can't do it like Jesus already did it. He already did it. However, just because your spirit is now justified and made in right relationship with God, the soul and the body take time and effort to be conformed into the image of Christ. This process is called sanctification, Ephesians 4. Just like you don't join a gym and walk in with a bag of cookies and leave there looking ripped in 30 minutes with your cookies. People think that's how church should be. You walk into church with all your sin, all your problems, all your preconceived ideas, all your junk, all your lies, and then you're like, well, it didn't work. I'm still here. Just like you can't get ripped in a month, you're not gonna get ripped spiritually in a month. It takes time. This is called sanctification. And I use this illustration a lot when I'm teaching students. It's like the sanctification staircase. There might be some years you go up five steps and down none. Great year. Don't come to expect it. But there are some years you go up two, down two. Go up three, down one. We are on that track until the day we die. You will never be made perfect. You will only enter heaven being sanctified. It is literally in the tense of the Greek war. We are being made into the image of Jesus Christ. So as Christians, you and I need to desire a biblically ordered life. Once we've been justified by faith and we are saying yes to the process of sanctification, here's what it looks like. A biblically ordered life with spirit, soul, and body. With our spirit in control, It encompasses all of the soul and all of the body. This is a biblically ordered person. There is no other way, according to scripture, to be biblically ordered than this way. Our spirit must be in control. Let me explain it to you. The spirit, here's what the spirit is. We are spiritual beings having a temporary physical experience. The culture teaches you that you are a physical being having a relative or temporary physical or spiritual experience. See, God desires our spirit to be the strongest part of who we are. So when people say, I just can't hear God, that means the soul or the body are probably in control. And I'll prove it to you. The spirit is like the command center of who we are and what we do. We are now, when the spirit is in control and we're justified by faith, you and I are now able to understand spiritual truth because our spirit has been submitted and redeemed by truth. And that includes being able to discern right from wrong. When our spirit is in control, we are able to discern through 
the static of culture. Like when you're on a road trip and you're on 100.3 and you're on a country station in San Antonio and then you get to Louisiana and you're like, now you're on like some gangster rap. You're like, what just happened? But in between those two stations, it's a lot of... And you're like, is that George Strait or Nicki Minaj? I can't really tell. They all sound the same at this point. That's when our soul and our spirit are fighting for control. That's what you sound, no wonder we're confused. Because there's no clear path to hearing truth. But let me explain to you what the soul is. Because this is the one that we need to understand today. And that's the topic of today's message is bowing down to the soul. The soul is one of God's most amazing creations. It is, here's the soul by definition, our mind, our will, and our emotions. That is the soul. It is a soul that needs to be restored. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. It, our soul makes us able to experience God's beautiful creation. Have real relationships with other people and connect emotionally. That's the soul. We have never, we, sorry, we have been made in the image of God to think, to reason, and express emotion. God made us this way on purpose. He could have created us robotic and simply follow orders like he's a cosmic puppet master. But he made us much more beautifully than that. He made us with a free will in order to choose to love and submit to him or not. And when we're ordered, we don't ignore emotion. I would never tell you to ignore your emotions. That's called abuse. I would never tell you to ignore that because it just pops up later, 30 years later. You can't ignore it. Don't suffer in silence. That is not biblical. When our soul needs attention, the spirit, if we're submitted to the spirit, soul gets good attention. So we don't ignore emotion, we see it, we deal with it, we accept it, we find out why we're frustrated, angry, happy, sad, mad, glad. We find out why. We find out why. Was it because they cut me off in traffic and that's just a pet peeve and I'm frustrated? Or is it, am I angry at something? And most anger is rooted in fear. So I ask the question, what am I afraid of? And we, we have to submit it and then take it to God and journal about it and think and say, God, I'm, I'm submitting this frustration and anger to you. Your, your word says to cast all my cares and anxieties upon you because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So I give you this heavy one and I take on yours. It's a reset. The soul is very, very powerful. And the body is very simple. It's the, it's the Greek word soma. It's where we get the word somatic. It's, it's, this, it's literally the physical body having uh, an experience there. And our bodies were bought with a price. And the, and the word also says that they are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And how many of you know your bodies have appetites? Good and bad. More often than not, the body is never satisfied and is always looking to be in control. Carnal desires always crave satisfaction above all else. The truth is, is that it's a daily decision to die to self and submit to the cross. It's a daily decision. In fact, the Bible says to take up your cross, how often? Daily. Salvation starts with you declaring with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and submitting to his lordship, but that is simply just the beautiful beginning. Salvation is a daily decision and it's the best way to live and God's ways are the best ways. But here's another truth. Our souls, which are what? Our mind, our will, and our emotions, are fed daily, minute by minute, by culture telling us what we need to believe and what we need to see and what you and I need to hear. Our bodies, if starved, are very loud. Late service, right? They're very loud. Like mine literally just did something when I said that. It's very rude of you. Our bodies get very loud when they're starved. Literally like, you're like, what is wrong? You're like, I am legion. You know, feed me steak. You're like, ah! It's like so loud. Our souls get super loud when they're starved. Like it's mine and I want it now. Our bodies and our souls get louder and louder and louder. But if we withhold 
nourishment from our spirit, it gets silent. It gets quieter and quieter and quieter until you can't hear it anymore. And you're led every day, every minute, by what your mind, your will, and your emotions want. Worse yet, what your body wants, which is the most debased form of animalistic humanity. And so we end up asking the question, if our body or our soul are in control, and most scholars and pastors would believe that when the body is in control, that's when suicide takes place. Because now the body is telling the emotions what to do. And the spirit is completely silent. When the soul and the body are in control, that's when we ask questions like, where did God go? Where did he go? God would never let bad things happen to good people. Where did God go? Why did God allow that? And we gotta ask ourselves a question, who is in control? I'm, up until 10 minutes ago, some of y'all didn't even know the spirit and the soul were different. And this is a new reality for you trying to figure out who is in control. Because when Landon's body is in control, he eats everything he can find. When Landon's soul is in control, he's angry and frustrated and sad and depressed and anxious and nervous and paranoid. When Landon's spirit is in control, there's peace, love, joy, patience, kindness. Does that mean the emotions don't exist? Oh no, they're there. But they are submitted to the truth of the cross. Who's in control? And I'll give you this truth. Living out, now that you understand spiritual order, living out of spiritual order is not just a bad idea. It's dangerous. Like driving on the wrong side of the road is not just a dumb idea. It's dangerous. Like running across 1604 on two legs it's not just a really dumb idea. It's dang driving on 1604 on the right side of the road <laughs> is a dumb idea and dangerous. Learn the back roads, everybody. It'll help your salvation. <laughs> Living out of spiritual order is dangerous. So here's what an out of order looks like. Most of the time, it's when the soul is in control. Most of the time, the body's taking orders from the soul. So we're using this one for sake of illustration today. Early in life, you and I learn how to take orders from our soul. We're led by our emotions and we make demands of other people as children. Can we see this in culture lived out today where there are people literally going to city council meetings as grown adults and just screaming at the top of their lungs until they close the meeting? There, our souls are in complete control, demanding that they be bowed down to. And when you and I allow our body and our soul to lead, we open the door to two primary things, confusion and sin. When our spirit is in the lead, that's when we reap incredible benefits like protection, growth, discernment, purpose, and power in the Holy Spirit. And I've got a graphic I'm gonna show you later about what an ordered life looks like and what a disordered life looks like. A lot of people took pictures of it in first service and I'll ask Ethan if they can just post it online so you can grab it too if you want. And when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he produces the fruits of the Spirit. Elena, why are we going into all this? So far, I am bored, and I'm here because Mom made me come. Let me explain to you. Let me explain to you something. If you don't understand God's created spiritual order for your life, you and your children and your grandchildren have a 100% chance of being lied to and fall victim to false teaching and lies. You don't, and Landon, what do you mean 100%? That's, can't you at least say 99.9% .9 like antibacterial soap? No, it's a 100% chance that your children will be lied to and fall victim to it. Why? Because there's not enough self-righteousness in them to fight any demonic offense. You and I aren't powerful enough. Even the most bull-nosed of Christians that got the power of the Holy Ghost and a bunch of Kirk Franklin in the background can't resist hell. There's no power in you that's big enough, strong enough, or good enough to fight the devil. It is the power within us. It's in our weakness he is made strong. But we gotta understand what weakness looks like so we can know if we're getting weak. So we gotta understand God's biblical 
order. Culture teaches us that our emotions and our will and our self-identification are the highest virtues to live by. This will only breed pain, confusion, and wandering. Our emotions and our will are powerful and God made it that way, but the only way to live and have the spirit in, our only way to live calm emotionally is for the spirit to be in the lead. You and I have fallen victim to culture's ideologies and pressures for a few distinct reasons. And I believe the two reasons are a lack of biblical identity and understanding and a lack of understanding of God's created order and biblical truth. So we say a lot around here, like we just want you to learn how to read your Bible. Landon, what's the Purpose Church all about? Helping people read the Bible. Yeah, I know, but what's it really about? Helping people learn the Bible. But really, like what's your church after? Helping people know the Bible. How are they gonna know Jesus? When they read their Bible. What are Sundays for? To help people fall in love with the Bible. It's not complicated. Because at the end of the day, we're not building a cult of personality. Kelly and I don't want you to fall in love with how we teach or preach. Because I could lose my voice tomorrow like I kind of am right now and be able to preach to you in sign language next week. And you're going to have to decide if this is still the church for you. Well, I can't go to that church anymore because Landon lost his voice. Think about what would happen if the personality left the room. What are you following? Most people join a church because their soul said, I feel at home. Okay, what does that mean? I really like that they have a multicultural worship team. Me too. Praise the Lord. I really like the fact that they had muffins today for moms. Me too. I, re I really like their kids' department. Me too. But what if this church turned into a church where the kids are sleeping under pews like I grew up and we're just all learning how to fight the devil and learn the Bible together? Would that be good enough for you? Is it about the Bible or is it about your experience and your comfort? Moving on. That wasn't in my notes. Moving on. It's all about biblical literacy is the point. No more dumb Christians. Don't be scared of the Mormons anymore. All right? No more dumb Christians. When they come to the door, you're going to know more than them. <laughs> Any religion that calls an 18-year-old an elder, I'm questioning their judgment. Let's just say. Now, let's go into, let's, let's go into what I believe is, is, is the crux of today. Paul is writing a, a letter to Timothy, and I believe you and I are living in the last days. Now, we're not going to Revelation. Calm down. We're going to Timothy. Now, we're not going to start talking about lampstands and stuff. Like, that's another series. Like, what we're really talking about today is what Paul said to Timothy because what Timothy was going through is exactly what we're going through today. Not 1,959 years ago is when this letter was written. As Christians, as real committed Christians, you and I have a responsibility to live with our eyes wide open and the letter from a spiritual father to a spiritual son church planter is exactly what you and I need to hear. So pretend you and I are Timothy. And we're hearing these words from God, from, from our Father. Listen to what he says. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Understand this, Timothy. Understand this, Joe. Understand this, Jesse. Understand this, Sarah. Understand that in the last days, there are danger. These are dangerous times. Not just opposing ideology times. Not just they live differently. Not just their truth is not my truth. In the last days, they are dangerous times. That word there is the Greek word kalepos, and it means of great stress, of trouble, of exceeding force and high-risk activity. The word dangerous is high-risk activity and teaching. These days will come. These difficult days will be hard to bear. If you see anything in brackets, I'm reading out of the Amplified Version. It's a great translation. It takes that preceding word and unpacks the Greek of it. And so it's a great one to study from. These days will be difficult. They'll be hard to bear because people will be lovers of self. Narcissistic or self-focused. Now, now you've heard the word narcissistic and you and I have gotten used to that word being thrown around flippantly. But narcissism is actually, in the DSM-5, a mental health condition. And you and I have come to say the word narcissistic like we just call rude people. Oh, they're like, if they like selfies. Oh, they're so narcissistic. No, they're just insecure. 
Narcissistic is literally taking everything you can to manipulate others to believe what you believe, and then when they call you out, you gaslight them and make them think it was their fault, and then they fall more victim to you. That's not just someone who likes selfies. Self-focused, narcissistic, deeply troubled. You hear the words like self-love a lot. Have y'all ever heard that? Self-love. It's getting thrown around a lot. Self-love. Now, I'm all for like being in love with how God created you. But Paul's not saying that. You got to dig into the language here. He's talking about self-consumption. He's talking about how personal wants and needs are the seat of our, our lives and that truth takes a back seat. The word there is phylos. It's where, we, uh, it's where we get the words like the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. It's a Greek word, phylos. It's love. And, and um, Greek has three words in which we translate only into one in English, which is love. And one of them is phileo. And that word Paul chose to use on purpose. He didn't use an acquaintance level love. He used love, love. Paul used phileo. He used the word where Greek gets the word kiss yourself, like kissing from. Paul is the first one in scripture to say, in the last days, people will kiss themselves. And I bet Timothy was like, what? There was no selfie sticks or Facebook back then. He's like, what is he talking about? You can't even do that if you tried. So he said, in the last days, people will love themselves. Love themselves. They'll, they'll be so obsessed with themselves. That, that's the first filter through which they see and hear everything. That the word phileo means to have a romantic attraction toward another. But he's saying, turn it toward yourself. He says they'll be lovers of money, impelled by greed. Think of TikTok influencers making millions off endorsements. Lovers of self, lovers of greed, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, I knew it, ungrateful, unholy, profane, and they will be unloving. That word in the Greek means that they are devoid of natural human affection, which means that homosexuality will take control. Calloused, inhumane, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, devoid of self-control, brutal, haters of good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of sensual pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of outward godliness, but they've denied its power. And then the Greek literally means that their conduct nullifies that their salvation was actually genuine to begin with. So when someone falls victim to sin and chooses to chooses to love it and then peddle it to you as truth. It nullifies the previous decision. It says, avoid such people and keep far away from them. Culture is always learning and always listening to anybody who will teach them, but they're never able to come to the knowledge of truth. When I read that verse, I was like, wait a minute. And I chewed on it for a little bit. And then I started thinking, this is so true. Paul, you were so smart 1,959 years ago. Because here's what Paul's saying. We're always learning. There's a constant drip of other people's viewpoints. We're obsessed with what someone else says about it, what TikTok says about it, what social media says about it. And there are thousands of new ideas to learn every single day. 70 plus genders to choose from on Google. Hundreds of identifications. Over 20% of the alphabet has been stolen. And our society is constantly learning and not able to come to the knowledge of absolute truth. We are obsessed with learning and adding lies to ourselves and then calling it truth. And then he says, just as Jonathan Jambers, they were the court, musician, uh, court magicians that opposed Moses, said they were men of depraved mind, unqualified, worthless as teachers in regards to any kind of faith. But that lie is not gonna get very far because their meaningless nonsense and ignorance will become obvious to everyone. And I believe that's gonna happen. So I want you guys to come and learn something this weekend. The Made to Last Marriage Conference is this weekend. If the devil wants to take out our society, he'll take out your marriages. He'll come to the seat of true pastoral care of our children, which is not the church. It's your home. 
The church simply comes alongside you to help, but the church does not pastor your children. Mom and dad do. So come and learn something. Landon, I'm single. Come anyway. I'm engaged, then you really need to come. I'm married, please come. Come and learn. Don't let money be an issue. Never, ever, 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 ever at this church let money stop you from growing spiritually. We planted the church with no money. We'll find money to get you to a conference, okay? We'll get you there. Well, that's embarrassing. Don't, don't ever do that. Don't sell out your children for your embarrassment. Come and learn. Come and learn. Be there this weekend. And it's gonna be fun anyway. Get a babysitter, leave the kids, and come play, all right? Come learn. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Ladies and gentlemen, it isn't complicated. It isn't complicated. You and I are created in the image of God. Our spirit is to be redeemed, and our mind and our will and emotions are to be submitted, and then our bodies will follow. So look at this graphic here. It's what I was telling you, telling you about. An ordered life. Within an ordered life, there's protection. God says it. You're under his umbrella of protection. Power, Holy Spirit filling, purpose. Recent sur- survey said that nine out of 10 church attenders could not tell you what their purpose in life is. That statistic frightens me. We're okay with filling seats, but we don't want them to order their lives. That's not pastoring. That's not pastoring. So we want you to have an ordered life. When your life is ordered, coming to church is the easy part because you want to be here. This is, this is, when, this is when, you, you, when your spirit is in control, then your life gets ordered. Your emotions are submitted to it and you want to be around people that are like, chains are falling, walls are breaking down. You want to give of your life. And all the rest of those are simply fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are fruits of the Spirit. So when you see people that have shirts on that say, be kind, that's not what they mean. They mean be tolerant of my lie. When you don't like it, then you're a bigot. So be kind is actually God's idea, and it's true. So you can't actually have true kindness in your heart without submission to the cross. Outside of that, it's self-righteousness and tolerance until you don't want to tolerate it anymore. Moving on, disordered life, you're unprotected. There's no godly protection over you when you are willingly deciding to lie and hide. There's no protection there. The Bible never says, blessed are those who strive. Striving is not part of Christianity. There's shifting purposes and wandering, haters of good, situational happiness not joy, false hope based on circumstance. That's not peace. Peace is the seedbed for joy. Calloused, which means you don't feel anything anymore. Self-absorbed, intemperate, reckless, unruly, fierce, indulgent. That's the outcome of a disordered life. When the soul is in control, the right side of the screen is inevitable. When the soul is in control, we are unable, 100% unable to have the left side of the screen. So let me teach you how to care for your soul without bowing to it. Because we want you to care for your soul. Don't ignore your soul. It's too powerful and it will make itself known. You got to acknowledge the soul. Don't ignore it. But how do you deal with your soul without bowing to it? How do you care for your soul? Because God wants you to care for your soul. He designed it. So how do we care for it? Number one is don't ignore the Sabbath. Landon, I'm at the Sabbath right now. No, this is church. Somewhere in Western Christianity, we equated church services with Sabbath. I don't know who did that, but it's not true. You might come to church on the Sabbath, but this is not Sabbath. This is church. And for a lot of you on the dream team, it ain't rest. It's work. So this isn't Sabbath. Did you know that honoring the Sabbath is above don't kill anyone? So he's like, don't ignore the Sabbath and and then don't kill people. But it's above it. God cares more about that than murder. Don't ignore the Sabbath. 
What does that mean? Let me explain it to you. If your schedule does not allow you to have 24 hours within 168 hours where you turn off your phone, recharge, rest, and laugh because you're eating great food with great people, then your life is headed for a soul takeover if you're not already there, which only leads to anxiety, depression, purposelessness, hiding, insecurity, pride. If your life is not organized to where 24 hours of it are submitted to God for him to remind you who you are and whose you are and what you're here for, the soul will win. Number two is speak up. What does that mean? Literally tell somebody how you're feeling currently. Don't bottle that stuff up. Tell somebody how you feel, a trusted person and make sure they're Christian. And don't ask people on Facebook. Have you ever felt really cool about someone who asks a really deep question on Facebook? You're like, oh man, they need help. Don't do that. Ask a trusted friend within your small group or someone on the staff or whatever, get some real help. Because here's what we know, and we've said this a lot, as long as we're talking, the devil loses. Because he's a coward and he can only work in silence and in the dark. So bring light to it. Tell me, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling depressed, man. I don't, and there's no shame in that. And I, I hate that Western society has put such a stigma on people telling everybody how they feel. If you had a broken arm, you'd go get help. Don't be afraid to go ask for help or even get professional help, but you need to deal with your soul. Speak up. Silence has never helped anyone unless it was in prayer on a Sabbath day. Speak up. Number three, step out. Literally, go for a walk. I'm not joking. Go for a walk. If you're like, I believe in science. Science says walk for 20 minutes a day. 20 minute walk is a mile. Just go walking. Hold hands with your bae and pray and talk. Look at flowers. Sniff in through your nose all the pollen and breathe it out your mouth and then pray for healing. Just go for a walk. It's humid outside. Buy a tank top. Go for a walk. Get out of the house. I've said this a hundred times. You are not created by God to be in right relationship with him, naked and outdoors, not clothed inside in fake lighting. Get outside, but wear clothes. Go for a walk. You'd be surprised how sedentary you actually are. By the way, entertainment is not refreshment. Have you ever binged Netflix and got up and went, man, I feel ready for the day. No, you binge Netflix, you overeat and you eat all the candy you hid from your kids from Easter. You feel like crap. Throw the candy away and get outside. Number four, slow down. Slow down. This one's hard for me. Because if you ain't first, you're last. This is hard for me as a personality. Some of y'all like slow. I'm like, mm. I don't do turtle. It's, it's just person. I like, I gotta focus on, I gotta slow down. I gotta breathe. And, and go back and listen to the Holy Noticing series, please. We talked about nine weeks of how God created our soul and how we're supposed to nourish it. Go back and listen to it. We talked about even the box breath that Navy SEALs use when they're sniping somebody. If it can calm them down, it can calm you down from your boss. You breathe in for four, hold it for four, exhale for four, hold it for four. You do that for 10 minutes and your parasympathetic nervous system kicks into gear and what you thought was a big deal 10 minutes ago is no longer a big deal. It's how God made you. It's how God made you. Don't make fun of it, just do it. Allow it to help you. It's about mindfulness, not mindlessness. Be contemplative there. And the last one is schedule smart and early plan ahead. Ask someone in the room, hey, do y'all want to come over for dinner in three weeks? Some of y'all don't even know what you're doing tomorrow and it's Sunday. Schedule ahead. Schedule early. Have something to look forward to. And if you're married and there are at least two or three date nights on the calendar for this month, fix it today. 
fix it today. Our souls short circuit. Our, our, our souls short circuit when they're in the lead. They can't handle it. They weren't designed for that. And have grace for yourself when schedules change. As the band comes out and gets ready to help me end the sermon today, let me read the scripture in 2 Timothy. All scripture is God-breathed. And it's inspired voice. We hear useful teaching, rebuke, correction, instruction, and training. So if today you felt taught, great. If you felt rebuked, even better. If you felt corrected, praise God Almighty. If you felt instructed, praise God. If you felt trained, amen. If you felt all of it, oh my. Either way, it's good for you. It's good for you. Paul is basically saying when you come to church, you should feel taught, rebuked, corrected, instructed, and trained. How powerful is that? So let that reset your brain if you're trying to pick a church. This is what God wants for you. It's the decision, not a feeling. It's a decision. Paul ends his letter to Timothy with a charge that really cut me and I want to bring it to you today. I bring you this charge before God and Jesus the anointed, the one that is destined to judge the living and the dead at his glorious appearance, appearance and his kingdom. Go out and preach, which is the Greek word chariso, which means urge the people to accept the truth and warn them of the consequences of not. That's why we take preaching the word so seriously here. We're urging you, don't fall victim to the right side of the screen before. You can live in the left side of the screen. Stop making excuses. They're like armpits, it stinks, we all got one. Stop. I'm urging you, stop letting the soul take control because your grandchildren will pay the price. The consequences are too dire for you to think you're too cool to breathe and accept slowness and schedules and submission. Preach the word, whether it's an opportune time or not. Reprove, warn, and encourage, but do so with patience and instruction because a time will come when people won't tolerate sound teaching. Look at this one. Instead, they will live by their own desires. They'll scratch their itching ears by surrounding themselves with teachers who approve of their sinful lifestyles and tell them what they want to hear. How did Paul know 1,959 years ago that that was going to be our culture? Because humanity has been depraved from the beginning and we need a savior. It says they will turn real truth, turn from the real truth you have to offer because they prefer fables and myth. But you must stay focused and alert. Tolerate suffering and accomplish the good work of an evangelist to which you have been called. Everybody stand to your feet. Prayer partners, go ahead and come down. How incredible that 2,000 years ago, we can receive teaching, encouragement, and redirection. Let me encourage you, you can lead your homes. The devil is not stronger than the God in you. That's why we pray the benediction over you every Sunday that may you leave here with your head held high, knowing greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So when we pray that later, receive it with all truth and know that God is moving on the inside and working on the outside. You can lead your homes in this time. I know you can. By the power of the Holy Spirit, if you submit to it, you will have truth in your home and that left side of the screen will be yours. Peace, love, joy, patience understanding your family dinners won't feel like DEFCON 5 they'll actually be enjoyable there'll be some peace in your home allow God to move in this moment and prayer partners are here to pray for you for anything you need anything at all but especially these two things today number one is to repent repent of falling victim to emotional idolatry and sin Come down and repent, which basically is just a Greek word for change your mind. It's not an emotional thing. It's a decision you make. You may not feel like repenting, but repentance is a decision. 
So repent today of making your emotions in control and leading your home with with lukewarmness and bad schedules and laziness. Allow God to move in your home by you saying no more. I'm gonna repent today. And then the other thing is to allow the prayer partners to pray for soul level healing for you. And maybe you do feel depressed and anxious and worried and you need someone to pray that God would grow your faith. The Bible says that faith is a gift of God that no man should boast. It means you can't conjure it up in yourself. Faith is a gift, so come and ask for it. He says he will be faithful to give it to you if you ask. So come and ask for more faith and you will leave here with a supernatural boost of faith. I promise if you do the natural and walk down here, God's not going to levitate you to the altar. You got to walk down here. So if you walk down here and do the natural, the supernatural takes place. Every Sunday at this altar, allow God to meet you here. So I'm going to pray and then the band's going to sing. And as they start singing, the altars are open for communion on the sides here or prayer partners down front, both do it all. Go back to your seat, worship, pray with your family. The next five to seven minutes are a time for you to respond to the truth you just heard. And then next week, Jeremy and Lindsay are gonna be here and you're gonna laugh more than you've ever laughed at church and you're going to be spiritually smacked like you've ever been spiritually smacked. It's gonna be so awesome. I can't wait. But today, let's repent and come down and ask for faith. Are you ready? Father, in this moment, we just pray that supernaturally something begins to stir on the inside of us. God, for every man and woman in this room, that there is a spiritual guts that begins to well up with inside of them, that they are sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, and they are tired of allowing the lies of culture to determine the lack of peace in their home. Would men rise up in this room and be men and stop making excuses and lead their homes with faith and determination? Would the women in this room rise up and be who God has created them to be? People of truth people of stability? Would there be an excitement in the room and an encouragement in the room that when God is for me, who can be against me? And I pray for a spirit of repentance to come into the room, that we will walk up here and say, God, no more. As for me and my house, my great-grandchildren will live by faith because I made a decision today. Do something in our hearts that will change our forever. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Come on, come down and receive and respond. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.